This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Kevin Gallagher. Today, we got a very special guest, uh, MMA coach, uh, been around the game for a very long time, as evidenced by the fact that his Wikipedia page has him with a full head of hair, and he's decidedly (laughs) more bald here. Please don't break my legs. Uh, That was... (laughs) uh catch wrestler grappler uh guard specialist the godfather of filth himself neil melanson neil sorry about that thank you very much for uh how you doing man i'm good i'm good um living the shutdown life like everyone else yeah you uh you you said you've been uh you live with a couple bellator fighters at your house so you've been being able to get a little bit of training and doing something like that huh yeah, and I got two fighters staying with me right now, and uh, AJ Matthews and Taiwan Claxton. And uh, I got a little click of training partners out here and fighters, and we built out my garage. At the, you know, at the very beginning of the shutdown, you know, mats, everything, double end bags, uh, stuff like that. I got a lot of grip training equipment here at home, so we train for the. You know, those guys are training five to six days a week. Uh, I'm not training that much, but uh, I am training still. I'm trained today. It's nice. So we're getting good working without actually, you know, the BS of being in the gym. It's kind of good, actually. We're making the best of it. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this re- just shutdown and Yeah, you, I can see. I can see the pain in your eyes, man. I, I'm getting there, dude. Like I'm, I'm so ready, ready, ready. I'm just over it all. Like I don't care anymore. I don't want to hear the facts. I don't want to hear the stats. I just want to get my shit back together again and be able to start doing, doing some training. It's making me crazy because I miss it that much. God knows how many gyms are aren't going to reopen. That's big, real facts, man. It real was talk, a, man. a a while, like a, a few days ago. I think it came out that it was a, a Gracie BJJ school that was like the first one to go under. It was like uh, it made waves for a while, but uh, it's ear to the ground. Knowing the the some gym owners in the Northeast, it's definitely hitting them hard. Um, well, what I understand is this is my question on this: How come landlords aren't getting fucked? You know. Yeah. Why why are they just fine and every business owner has got to shell it out, but landlords don't get touched? Well, Neil, it's generally accepted that cockroaches can survive pretty inclement <laughs> conditions. You know, they're going to survive nuclear war. It's them and Twinkies. They'll be the only ones left once things go tits up. I'm going to get hated on for that. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about um, post-apocalyptic you know, plague? Uh, what do you think about the future of MMA? Do you think it's going to have any long-term effects on you know the sudden? Because you know, recently we've had kind of a renaissance of you know jujitsu and fighting and, and grappling and, and all these other things that have, that have come to pass. Do you feel like what's been happening lately is going to stunt that? And it's something we're going to have to deal with. Mm, I think it's just a hiccup. Things will yeah. go back to normal, and 
this Corona thing is probably going to re-kick off in the fall. I doubt we, we won't shut down. We'll just live with it. Yeah. Uh, I think this shutdown has angered a lot of people yeah. and a lot of constitutional rights just trashed on, if you ask yeah. me. Like, right. uh, Hard-up governors looking for a federal bailout because they don't spend their money properly. And a lot of these people like Harvard with a billion dollar endowment getting bailed out by the taxpayer for whatever God knows reason. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think people are pretty sick of it. Uh, I hate seeing poor business owners getting crushed and, you know, people not being able to feed their families while these people on government checks, you know, living the easy life. Their, their checks aren't ever threatened. We never yes. hear men saying, hey, you know what? I'll give up my paycheck for the shutdown so the money can get back in the community. At least do something not selfish. But, uh, you know, what do I know? I'm just yeah, it's, it's the, the the whole philosophy of, of trickling it down just doesn't seem like it's happening. Just like you said about the landlords. Like it's it's just it's it's a rough, rough circumstance. And at the end of the day, the guys who are going to take the biggest hit are the guys like you and me, the working men. We're, we're the ones that are really going to get get the worst of it and that's the sad part of it because i love i know so many people that have spent their lives trying to put out and do the things that they love which is teach jiu-jitsu and teach mma and and really give back to the community in that regard and make a living doing that that are going to watch you know their businesses go down because of all this trash yeah i'd like i'm miss i'm probably gonna misquote this but benjamin franklin said when you trade in liberty for security you will have neither right uh, i think he's right yeah, man, I, I, I agree with you, man. I, I, I just, I'm to the point now where, like, I just, I'm over it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't look at it. I don't care anymore. I don't watch the news. I just want to move on with my life, and I want things to start to get back to normal again. And w- whatever happens, happens. But obviously, you know, the government ain't looking out for us. Well, I will say, I will say that in terms of just combat sports, we've had a few uh, positive developments recently. You know, like guys like uh, the. Flavio with the uh, Gracie Baja, they've rolled out how they're going to be able to reopen gyms with like the single drills. So, you know, things are slowly, the, the, the dam is starting to break in terms of people are finding ways to reopen their businesses. Also, you got guys like the Rice Brothers in, I think, California who just straight up reopened their gym. I'm not sure if anything bad happened to them, but, you know, a lot of yeah, people are on their side. You know what? Good for them. Yeah. I, I, good for them. I'm with you on that. I'm in, I'm with you in that regard. Like I have been having limited training sessions in my backyard, just like you. I matted out my backyard. I had a couple of people come over and do some private lessons and keep things kind of like on the sly as much as I possibly can. And and I just, you know, we we need to figure out a way to live with this. But let's move on. Let's talk about some positive things because that's negative. And I just want to get your opinion on things because I love you and I trust your opinion. You're someone that I hold in high regard, and I I love to hear what you have to say. But I don't want to talk about that shit, man. I want to talk about fun stuff. I want to talk about you because I am so super stoked about talking to you. <laughs> so first of all, man, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about your lineage and your background because I, I have a particular understanding of catch wrestling here in, in Tampa because we had a pretty a pretty substantial catch wrestling computer. We had Carl Gotch. They lived here in an area, and Carmelinko trained with him, and then Fukushima, Fukushima, I think was his name. I can, I knew I wasn't going to say his damn name right, but we had a pretty substantial catch wrestling community that was back in the early two thousands, late nineteen, late nineties, that was kind of infiltrating in the area. So I'm curious to know where you got your your background from. I think you have a snake pit 
USA in Tampa yeah. now too. Um, but you know, the reality is I'm a highest end grappler. We do catch because of Gene LaBelle. Uh, I don't, I like to support catch wrestling, but I'm not, I just kind of do it all. I'm not really pushing an agenda to try to like say catch is better than gets, you know, I just kind of do it all. And you know, it's just, just how I believe because that's how it was at highest end. We did a lot of judo catch wrestling. We did jujitsu. We trained with jujitsu guys. We did a lot of leg locks because the Sambo background, because go court is Sambo black belt or master or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think we had that. I started off in shoot fighting in a rinky dink gym. Wasn't learned everything backwards. Like they were teaching me heel hooks before I learned an arm bar. Like it was really <laughs> weird. And I literally go to tournaments back then and I'd have to compete in advance, even though like I had a year because I only knew leg locks because <laughs> I, I have to do advance. You only allowed to do leg locks back then. And, I would be like, all right, I'm just going <laughs> to, and I would go submit these guys. And I, afterwards I'd go over to their camp, be like, can you show me how to pass the guard? Like I was, <laughs> didn't know how to do shit. Uh, and these guys were better than me, but I was just, they didn't know leg locks. So I, I, I beat them. But uh, eventually I, I kind of needed a coach and I eventually uh, found Gokor Chivichian and, and highest stand out in LA and Gokor's top student at Gene LaBelle. Gene LaBelle was a judoka, but he's also trained by um, Luthez, who was the best catch wrestler of his time, you know, at least considered, you know, like it's everything's debatable. And Luthez was trained by some greats, but he was he was mainly cleaned up and turned into a master by um, Ed Lewis, who was my favorite catch wrestler in history because he – he was so pivotal. Uh, he's also the reason why the sport fell apart, if you ask me. Um, Luther, uh, Ed Lewis was so good that, you know, when catch wrestling was real, like not prearranged, that people stopped coming to see him because they just knew he was going to win. They didn't want to spend the money on the ticket. And back then they got paid based on, you know, the house take. So Luthez basically started throwing his title here and there. Even his opponent didn't even know. And then that kind of spread around like, holy crap, there's law, um, excuse me, Ed Lewis lost. And then when he would get the automatic rematch, he would win his belt back. So people would, you know, pile in uh, and he would get a piece of the seats, you know, all the house take. So it created a lot more excitement in the sport. But the first initial problem was he was he was like the Gordon Ryan, like he was just blowing everybody apart. And then people just stopped caring to go see him. You know, back then, boxing was not legit. At least it was considered a lot of the times not to be legit. And eventually, catch wrestlers kind of figured this out. They started working some fake matches with some real matches. And then eventually just said, hey, let's just entertain these people and not get hurt. And then. Now look at it now, it's, you know, it's a, it's a clown show. Even though I have a good friend that does it, he's, he's gotta be embarrassed some of the times. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> um, but that's cool. It's, you know, it is what it is. And I'm excited. I'm glad guys are making money, you know, doing what they like to do. So no complaints from me, you know, 
I'm not a so you're not a huge fan of the Undertaker, I take. <laughs> no, I mean, it was like when I was younger, you know, it was fun, you know, but uh, you know, I'm sure Mark's a cool ass dude. I heard he is a cool ass dude, the Undertaker, but uh, I, I don't know him personally. But uh, nothing against those guys, you know. It, a lot of people wanted to be pro wrestlers when they were young, and then it's you know it's gotten really silly. It's you know it's a G. They focus on children now rather than adults because adults are in the MMA. So I think pro wrestling, I think they had to pivot to a more sillier environment, less violent because they're trying to appeal to a younger crowd because they had a, they didn't have a choice. They're probably losing their adult market uh, a little bit to like UFC and MMA. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm just outsider looking in. I don't, I don't have any facts with that and I'm, I'm guessing speculating just like everyone else let's talk a little bit about the actual timeline of, of that scenario so you talked about when 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 ed lewis was was fighting and when, when catch wrestling used to be real because a lot of people don't realize that i mean i do and guys yeah. that are in the know know that but well, like yeah the, tra the traveling carnivals you know like right. these matches well, that's were way further back oh yeah. yeah i'm like that's yeah 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 that's but, but there was a time when 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 catch wrestling and actually wrestling matches were real fights where you had two dudes who would come into the ring that would have a real fight and yeah. the winner wasn't predetermined. And then it, as you said, time went on, these guys got sick of hurting each other and they kind of turned into a show. Tell me a little bit about what time that happened and, and about some of the, 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 the ways those fights would go down. You'd have to talk to probably someone like Jake Shannon, one of those kind of enthusiasts that, you know, really gored his life on catch I, I couldn't couldn't tell you too much of the history of all that. I just know a little bit, you know. Yeah. Like I said, I don't really preach catch wrestling. I, I yeah. preach more wrestling and mat wrestling. Yeah. But I I, I study all the jujitsu shit too. I just not a big gi fan. It's just nothing against it. I just more of an MMA oriented coach. It's kind of what I wanted to do back when I first started grappling. Nobody was making money in jujitsu, so to me it was kind of just like a hobby but you made your money in mma so i focused on mma it's kind of like uh only recently when i started doing dvds uh mike zanga one of the owners of bjj fanatics he was you know telling me talking about all these grapplers and i was like i knew who they were They're like you know i stay a little bit in the loop but uh he was like all excited about all these guys like i'm like yeah, you know, I didn't really get the whole buzz because I didn't realize people were really making money. Right. Yes. And then I said, well, let me get involved with this community. I'm trying to sell DVDs to them, you know, because I was more MMA world. I didn't really care about it. Um, and then when I started researching, I was like, holy shit, these, this is like a real world now. It's like a real thing. It's it really is. Up. I had my head down, and when I picked my head up, I was – the community was like massive. I had no idea really. I was just, it just wasn't what I, even though I was a grappler, I was more focused on stuff like more like combat jits, I guess you could call it. Um, as far as striking, scrambling, I was teaching wrestling, wall wrestling, you know, penetrations of countering punches and strikes the shots and, you know, all that other stuff. There's a lot to learn in me. It's very exciting. Um, and it, you know, it was the big show. Like you can be a fan, don't know anything about the sport, and watch a fight and have a good time. 
right like more jujitsu and grappling you could watch it and just be confused yeah you have to you have to kind of that's what i always talk about when i talk about you know taking jujitsu to that next level and finding it something that's not just appreciated by dudes that know jujitsu you know people that actually love jujitsu but you know in order for it to really grow you have there has to be a, a point where dudes at a bar that don't really know about jujitsu can sit down and be excited about it and, and a lot of times it's it's hard to see that and i think as a sport jujitsu is still trying to toy with putting or the right format together they tried to do it with uh with, with what do they call it the the combat jujitsu stuff and anything they can Real do quick, to try to I get just, people involved i just i just in my head i there was this crazy scenario that i never even imagined before just popped in and it's uh, a crew of college dudes storming a buffalo wild wings and uh, Polar, uh, uh, one of the Polarises is on, and a bunch of drunk <laughs> frat dudes are going like, "Pass the guard, come on!" <laughs> like, like the same way they're just like, "Stand up!" They just go, "Oh, you just let that Oval Plata happen, man." <laughs> well, like I started back in the day when I was like more teaching grappling too. Like I had a grappling program because um, I had all I've done is fighters for the last, you know, train fighters for the last so many years. So I. Uh, I kinda... actually, actually, Neil, real quick, how did how did you get your start in coaching? Well, I was grappling and training my my butt off, and then my health hit the shitter. You know, I went blind and deaf. Uh, it was blind in both eyes for a little while, and my doctor was like, "You need to chill because you got to handle this health problem." And after that, I was just kind of like, all right, well, I still want to be in the sport and I still want to train, but I obviously know that I'd never get a pro card. I won't fight professionally because I'm blind in one eye. And with grappling, like I said, I didn't think you didn't really make money at it. I didn't think. I mean, I was watching the Abu Dhabis and some guys are making a little cash, but so I, I didn't really see that as a sustainable goal. And I was already training with MMA guys. So I just focused on MMA coaching and, and I just grappled a lot to be a specialist because I love grappling. And then after that, I fell in love with more wrestling and just tried to learn and be a specialist and be a, the best trainer I could be. So I just kind of downshifted and said, all right, I'm not, not going to go out there and try to be a champion anymore. I'm just going to try to help others. And, um, and that's what I did. And after that, I just kind of ended up in that support role. You know, like that old saying, those who can't teach, I'm one of those saying. <laughs> how, how, did you, um, how did you deal with that, man? Because I read a little bit about that. You had a genetic disorder. You had a genetic disease that, uh, that, that caused you to go blind. I didn't know you had that. I didn't know you went deaf, too. That's insane. How, so, and, and you went to the doctor, and they, they did some procedures and some things to help you get back. But how did you deal with with? the idea of losing your sight at such a young age, man, it must've been a horrible experience for you. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is I lost my career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the fight stuff and grappling was just my passion. It wasn't my job. I was a federal agent and I, I mean, I finished my bachelor's. I picked up a language. I was going into, I was either going CIA. I had my second interview past that. And if that didn't work out, I was probably going to go state department. Cause I wanted to get back overseas operating. 
Um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to serve my country until the day I died, one frame or another. It was more important to me than anything. So I've always been one of those sacrifice kind of guys. Obviously, if you get to know me, you'll, you'll know that. Um, but when that was taken away from me, it, it took everything away from me. You know, it was a very tough time. Pretty much turned into a drunk bum. <laughs> and uh, and I believe it or not, the crazy Carl Parisian was the guys that kept me glued together. So I've always been really grateful for that from him. He... Uh, he was my good friend, and and uh, I remember being blind as a bat. And both of us, he would pick me up from my little apartment in Santa Monica, take me into the gym, and be like, act like I was a bitch, and say, "You don't need a fucking seat to grapple." And I was like, "All right." <laughs> so uh, I basically had this weird style where I couldn't see people passing or anything, uh, and. You know, you don't want to wrestle when you're blind. So I used to just turtle up. And that way, when, when you give up your back, everybody jumps on you, right? Right. Turtle up, and then as soon as you grab me, I could feel where you're at. And I just work from there. So I always had this weird turtle game that really shouldn't have been a smart move. But I pulled it off somehow. And I could just rest in these awful positions. Like uh, Eduardo Tellez, I really like. He's trained with him a few times awesome guy just an awesome guy and he played that turtle style too where he just turtle up and uh you know he did it for different reasons than me but i did it because i couldn't fucking see <laughs> Enti entice the attack right yeah how, yeah. how I, I play a lot of turtle guard myself but i love like turtle guard. i love that shit yeah. it's an old it's an old man trick <laughs> you yeah. let, let, let the guys think they get the upper hand and then you're really just waiting for it so you can count it. no just waiting for you to touch me man just touch me or santiago would get so mad he would just stand over me and like step on my foot push me <laughs> he was like i don't want to fucking touch him. <laughs> how long how long did you deal with that how long were you blind for how long did you have sight for i was blind both eyes maybe under the month just about a month. Uh, then when my eye came back, it was still fuck. It was still like uh, foggy. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of problems. You know, I, I couldn't drive for a while. And yeah. when it came back, I still had to deal with the blindness in the other eye. So my depth perception was nuts. I used to wear sunglasses all the time, just because any light would like light, light up all the blind spots, and I just couldn't get function and. I wore an eye patch for a little bit because you know, I've seen pictures of you in eye patch before. Actually, I never realized that was what it was from, but yeah, yeah. I, it helps. It helps yeah. me see with my good eye, but at the same token, you know, I just don't like drawing more attention to myself. I never yeah. like that. And you know, people ask a lot of questions, and then when you pull your eye patch off and they see your eye looks sort of normal, yeah. Then to just like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, then you gotta have that fucking conversation. I don't fucking talk yeah, about that shit. You want to get into it, so I right. just wear sunglasses more, and then I'd get lighter sunglasses for indoor, and I look yeah. like a bag probably. But over time, I just got better and better. I had a buddy that would football with me, and that helped me like learn the depth perception. And mm -hmm. when I don't do like some things like that, like people will throw me in my keys. I just like cover my face. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you fucking dick. I bet I bet a lot of people fuck with you all the time. <laughs> no, I imagine they mess with you that way. Randy used to laugh his ass off. I'm blind, blind here, but I'm deaf here. Right. 
So like, depending, like you could walk by me on this side and wave and I'll just ghost you. Like, I don't know. <laughs> on the right side and start talking to me and I'll just turn and walk away. <laughs> you're like, what a fucking prick. And they're like, just get in front of them. You got to stand in front of them. That's funny. And, uh, yeah, Trig used to die laughing. Randy would mess with me. I can <laughs> I can relate a little bit to that, man. I had I boxed for a long time and 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 I had some concussion problems that, that were inside the ring and then some other shit that happened outside of the ring. So when I in turn wanted to start pursuing an MMA career, like I just fucking I was losing like giant gaps of my life and decided like I just can't get hit in the head anymore. It ain't fucking worth it. So yeah. like I and it still I do jujitsu. I probably shouldn't, but whatever. Fuck, whatever, I can do something. <laughs> but like the point is, is like I still think a lot about how you know the things i missed out on and when what i what could have been with my mma career if i could have pursued it a little bit longer so i can i can understand what it's like to not be able to do something that you, that you love yeah well, yeah they're, got their you know their mountains to climb right yeah so this, this whole tell thing, us I'm sorry i'm sorry but this whole thing is just making me think that we missed a huge opportunity for uh, like cycle a cyclops special matchup between you and Mike Bisping, just because he was <laughs> he was fighting for like mo so much of his career with just one eye, and then all of a sudden it looks fine, and then one day on a podcast he's like, "Hey, you know why my eye's fine?" He pops it out of his head, which I don't understand how he passed the medical exam. Somebody was fudging it for him. Yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah, but know, he was doing what you said you were doing because he was all the all the press conferences he was wearing sunglasses for a while. Like, yeah, to try, to like looks in your eye, right? Yeah, and somebody. Yeah, he had somebody on the inside. The eyes, people aren't adjusting. Yeah, so there's something funny there. Let's let's, let's, let's start a conspiracy theory because I I'm not the only guy that tried to fight blind like with blind one eye they, yeah. they don't fuck around they don't let you so i don't know maybe because he was mike bisbang or he had a dock on the on the on the hook or something good i mean <laughs> him that he was able to pull it off because i remember when i first started when i went blind you know i would switch southpaw just as far and stuff okay and then a guy would step off or i'd throw a cross miss I mean, there's nothing Get left and have no idea what the hell hit me. It could have been the hurt. depth procession is a huge thing too. You just fucking you have no idea where the punches are coming from. Oh yeah, yeah, you look pretty silly. Yeah. So how how long were you? Sorry, but how how long were you an air marshal for? I did that for five five years before I, my health hit the shitter. You got any cool stories? I, I know I had another friend of mine's air marshal and said he's not allowed to talk about it. You haven't been you're, you're gone for a while. What, do you have any cool stories from air marshal times? Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe I could get you. I thought maybe I could get you to say some things. Nah, I nah, imagine that that's a pretty I pretty intense. Working. I don't want to say anything that could put other air marshals in jeopardy. Right. Day. That's that's I understand. I, I would take that as that. I, I won't I won't like it, but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, briefly bringing the the topic back down to to grappling. You know, you you mentioned that you you keep a. Uh, a, a somewhat invested look at like the competitive grappling scene like you know guys like gordon uh just as someone who's been involved with grappling for as long as you have how is it has it made you laugh how people's uh opinions on leg locks and the leg game have have shifted quite substantially over the years yeah. it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> i used to get kicked i literally go to jujitsu jams to be like hey man I don't, all I know is leg locks. I just want to learn 
like simple stuff and they'd be cool at first and then it'd be like all right let's roll and i'd be like cool well all right so i just go like box and they'd be like you can't do that here i'm like okay well i don't know how to do anything else, <laughs> do anything else. <laughs> but that was in the beginning and by then i was like you know what screw this i just started doing more sambo and, and stuff like that and then when i found uh go court i found a gym where they did everything neck cranks leg locks they had in the even the bottom game was badass. You know, it might be not as good as specialty gyms, you know. But then I would go over to Hegan sometimes, you know, and he just was a big man. So I, I learned a couple of things. He was always really nice to me. And, uh, yeah, I just liked it. I, I really felt like I got coached a little bit. Like they, they said, this is your body type. This is what your ability is. And it's up to you now to use that body type for your advantage. And unfortunately for me, that was the guard. And I hated the guard, but uh, they made me get good at it. And, and uh, that was a big part of my uh, game for a long time. My, my guard game helped me become a great top game coach. And it's kind of funny how that works out. And um, then I focused more on MMA stuff. I, I, I hated how I'd see these great jujitsu guys come over and train MMA and just get owned because they're they can't adjust to getting hit and i would be like that's fucking crazy like this is not real like he's this sick grappler but if if it turns into a fight and this guy starts cracking him he's gonna have some serious problems and i just basically said i don't want to have that i want to have a system that works for mma and in grappling without having to switch too many gears. And then now I got to discover that happy medium. And that was just a lot of time on the mat going with everybody I fucking possibly could. I, I really just, I look at training as like, it's okay. I don't, like train doesn't count. If you, if you screw up in training, you get beat in training. So what? Take a risk. It's just training. I, I never liked braggers where they keep notes and training. It's like, look, man, like you're supposed to take chances, get under that big boy and see what you can do. It doesn't matter. It's training, you know, and, and that's how more MMA training is. It's just, it, it's not real. So you just train, you just work on stuff. You they bring, you bring a kickboxer in, you're not a kickboxer, but you go with them, you get your ass kicked, but you get better. You know, it's just, it's okay. Iron, put it right there. Iron sharpens iron. You know, it's just how it's supposed to be. And it seems like you know, sometimes in the jujitsu community, guys are taking it like I'll see footage of people posting videos of them rolling with their training partners and maybe they're whipping the guy's butt. And I think, well, that's not that guy's your training partner. Why are you people are like there's not a lot of videos of you, you know, grappling. It's like, well, I, I'm in the, just training. Like, I don't want to show me against some of these fighters that people know. And then they see me and it's like, well, yeah. I'm a, I'm a specialist, you know, like it's just training. I don't, it shouldn't be bragging rights in training, you know, and that's I why I hate that. I'm not a, you know, it's just me. I'm old school, I guess, but, uh, I don't, I don't brag about stuff. It's, it's, it's just, it's just training. And, and I really appreciate the guys that got, you know, that roll with me, you know, and I get coached you know, different types of people. I don't care who it is. It, you got eyes and you see something, I want to hear it. I'm very open-minded. 
Or if you don't have eyes, if you're blind, I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> <laughs> one ear, what the hell? Yeah, why not? <laughs> this, man, <laughs> but this guy funny. didn't say that shit. He did. He, it's, he did. It's, yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm, just ra- I'm really just racking. I'm making it worse for myself. No, but like, it's, it's funny because uh, you're, like, you're, you're talking like training is a place for experimentation, but also respect. Like you're not going out like it's comp. Uh, but also yeah. being being a leg guy, a lot of people have very strict feelings about training with leg locks and sparring with leg locks, just because a lot of, there's a stigma about them being, you know, uh, more dangerous. You know, like heel hooks. Uh, a lot of people stay away from them. Do you believe in safely trying everything? Yeah, man. I mean, I gotta remember, I'm a higher stand grappler. We did it all. We neck lock and cross face all day long um pain compliance was a big part of grappling the way i learned you know people always do they'll always do more to avoid pain than they will to gain pleasure you can you know there's like there's a lot of pressure points in the face if you put a little pressure on their face with a cross face or something people freak out even though it's there's no risk of you really breaking a bone in their face. I've never broke a bone in someone's face by like cross facing them ever. So I'm not too worried about that, but people freak out from the pain and then they'll bring their hands up and then you're like, there it is, you know, you know, so it's, it's kind of part of the game because in MMA, those are strikes. So it kind of correlates. Um, I think jujitsu is it's sometimes it's, it makes it harder because it's so smooth. And it's it's impressive, but at the same token, I if there's a shortcut, I'm taking it. I'm taking every shortcut. I don't want to work more than I have to. I want to get. I want to get. Uh, you know, work less, make more, just like everybody else. So I I, I was all about that. And as, as far as leg locks, I mean, Gokor is the king of leg locks. You ask me, that guy's sick, and he's been sick forever. I mean, probably since. He's been he's ridiculous. We're actually we're gonna have him on the show next week, by the way. Right. I'm super excited right. about that. This way, he used to let me start in a heel hook. Yeah. And <laughs> I couldn't break that son of a bitch. <laughs> Very good. I'm sorry, to give me a second. Both my both my legs just value, man. Oh shit. I don't I, you know, like thinking about that. I don't like talk, thinking about that. <laughs> you talk about highest and then like I've had quite a few guys on that I've spoken to on my other podcast, who Joe Biz, a couple other guys that have come from highest and it's amazing the pedigree of grapplers that have come from Gokor and that particular gym. And it seems to me like that like Gokor is this mythical beast, but we don't really speak his name as the true pioneer of the leg lock game that he is. It doesn't seem like it ever comes up. What do you, what do you feel about that, man? I, I just don't think people want to give him credit. Um, I think it's because, yeah, remember, Gokor is different. His system's different. Right. The community is generally under the same understanding of, you know, jujitsu. It's all one big community. But it should look at it, in my opinion, as grappling. So jujitsu, wrestling, all this, everything all together. Um, but if, for some reason, there's guys I know that they just they just don't want to give the nod to someone that's not a BJJ guy. And, and that causes people to hate the BJJ community, which is stupid because these people don't represent the community. They're right. just people. Um, and... My thing is, 
if it's good, it's good. It doesn't matter where it comes from. But I would like to see – I think Gokord now, he didn't really care much about it. Very, you know, I think he just wanted to run his school and be left alone. But I think now he's starting to expand a little bit. And uh, he's starting to do more things. Like he did a video series with BJJ Fanatics. And so I think he's starting to open up more. I mean, he's just a unique guy. Um, very unique guy. And Gene LaBelle is great, man. What a personality. I mean, that guy, if you want a fun book to read, read The Godfather of Grappling. It, yeah. It's about Gene life. It was awesome. Yeah, I've heard, it, I've heard stories about how tough that dude was. He I was, was like, indicted for murder and found guilty. This guy <laughs> he's a maniac, man. He's like everything I ever wanted to be, like stuntman, crazy person, wrestling circus bears and biting them. <laughs> One of my favorites early story, like back when I was first getting into MMA, one of the stories on like the Joe Rogan show that got circulated a lot was just that like he choked the hell out of Steven Seagal and then Steven Seagal shat his pants. Yeah, he choked him twice. <laughs> Wait, really? He choked out. Uh, he was getting interviewed and when he was about to fight Milo Savage and the interviewer says, uh, he says to the interviewer, like the universe, like, how are you going to win against this boxer? And he goes, well, Gene's an entertainer. And he goes, I'm going to put him to sleep using the secrets of the Orient. <laughs> uh, the announcer, the interviewer made the mistake of saying, how are you going to do that? And he's like, well, show me, show me how you're going to do that. And Gene said, okay, choke him. <laughs> and then finish the interview by himself with the microphone, the guy lifeless on the floor. That like, is amazing. Sleep. Oh That's Dean LaBelle, man. The guy's awesome. The guy's, I remember being in class and he was teaching and somebody did the the hand, like a gable with the thumbs, you know, their thumbs, like, yeah. and yeah. he said, he goes, everybody listen up. If I see anyone lock their grip like this, I'm going to burn their damn house down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. Me up, man. He was I watched a nice guy. He was this entertainer, man. He's just I watched a little bit of that uh, Ronda Rousey documentary on uh, on Netflix, and I'll tell you, I have a new appreciation for Ronda Rousey after watching that. She was never really my favorite, simply because I loved her, but I had some issues with her with her personality and the way she perceived herself. But after watching that, I have a grand new appreciation for her. And and thinking about that, like. I never knew that like Gene LaBelle and 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 and, and Gokor were that influential in her in her training. I never knew the stories that she came from from she trained with them while she was training for the gold medals. Like she was such a huge part of that Hayabusa community. And it's it's weird that we never even hear about it. It's crazy. I stand. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so an asshole. I apologize. <laughs> so yeah. I got you. Yeah, right. It is actually now that I think about it, it's weird that uh, Rhonda never uh, like it, it never felt like she she tried to become a part of like the grappling community in MMA just because of how how striking centered her her style got towards the end of her career you know everyone was talking up her, her punching game and then all of a sudden it was like she needs to go in there with strikes and we're not seeing the armbar armbar queen anymore which is kind of a bummer but you know, well, she had a lot of success except for the last couple of fights. Yeah, no, she was, she was all fighters make. Do I know what it is? Let's hear this. She got happy. Yeah, true. Travis and fell in love. Travis, true, man, and asked too. 
met Rhonda, fell in love. Then Travis can't win a damn fight. She can't win a damn fight. And they're fucking happy. Dude, it's amazing. Okay, how are you not going to point a little... Being happy, get pissed off. Let's go hurt some people. You know, That's why Connor keeps throwing himself into the meat grinder every now and again. He's like, I got too much money. People that's like why, too much. That's why you can look at a guy like uh, Floyd Mayweather or even Connor for that matter and appreciate the fact that they can continue to muster up the strength to continue to, to go. Because it's true, man. Like to be a fighter, like you have to be driven in places that most people just don't understand. There's, it's just a certain power. You got to be insane. You got to get into a cage. And it's not just getting in the cage and fighting. It's the training. It's the grueling aspects. It's putting yourself in the physical conditioning to do that. And when you're sitting on $30 million, like you don't give a shit about that. And then, well, who cares? <laughs> you're happy. You're married. You know, who gives a shit? Why do I want to do this? What? Why am I doing this for now? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, at that point, Rhonda had nothing to prove to anyone. She had like cemented herself in history as a hall of famer career you know olympic medalist yeah what is one more fight going to do for her you know yes they're happy probably working on a family if i know travis he loves being a dad being a dad's everything to him he's a he's a real family man Mm -hmm. i talk to him still he's still they got their little ranch and he's just happy man I'm, i'm very happy for him we had uh, we had Roddy Ferguson on, uh, who was on the Olympic team with her. He, was, he yeah, fought, Roddy. yeah, he fought in uh, in uh, in Strike Force. Awesome dude. He lives down here in Tampa. One of my buddies. Oh, now, now listen, now now listen here. Now I, I was I walked I walked into the gym cold one day, <laughs> cold. I front squatted four ninety five. Roddy, I love you. I just I was listening to the episode earlier and that story of how like he's like, how in shape were you? He's like, no, listen here now. <laughs> I can I can do anything. <laughs> That's right. Well, needless to say, we didn't talk a whole lot on that podcast. <laughs> I remember he competed in Abu Dhabi 2005, and yeah, I think he was finals. They lost the Munson, if I'm guessing. Munson, yeah, yeah. By by me. like an advantage or something, by like like overtime. It was it was really really close match. Yeah, but Roddy's awesome, man. He's funny. Yeah, he talked. He talked a lot about that, about how a lot of these 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 guys, these these post Olympians, that like we're seeing them now, like they're really doing MMA as like a you know as an afterthought. They're just like, hey, you know, I'll try this MMA thing because there's a certain amount of what more could I possibly accomplish than people don't understand the prestige of competing for your country and winning a gold medal, a winner bronze yeah. medal, of being on the mats as an Olympian. And now, like, you're just like, this is just like, this is just some MMA shit. Whatever. We'll see how this works out. I tell you what, the one judo guy I'd like to see fight MMA, uh, Travis Stevens. Yeah. That guy's an animal. I love that animal, guy. Animal, animal. Man, so man, I love that guy. He cracks oh, just, a beast. just a beast. I've seen him a few times at the Masters World, walk around, stuff like that. And he's just just looks like a dude that like I want to use caution with everything, every approach I have, because I just don't want him mad at me for any way for any no, reason he, whatsoever. He looks like an animal. Like you kind of look like that dude too. <laughs> but we have mutual friends, and everybody says to me all the time, you and Travis would be best friends if you guys met. <laughs> So I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to support him. Because I've seen some interviews. I've seen his stuff. He's great. But, uh, yeah, he's crazy. I like him. Uh, just to, to to pivot a little bit, just because uh, there's an Olympian that's going to be complete, competing in the UFC in the near future. Again, uh, Henry Cejudo is set to defend 
his championship against Dominic Cruz. And uh, Jesus, this this card, this whole card looks stacked. Just uh, just an absolute who's who. Tony Ferguson's fighting for the interim belt for the what was it third, second, or third time? Right, exactly. Always a bridesmaid. Um, poor guy, man. Yeah. I mean, all these interim belts just drive me nuts. Poor Ferguson. One of the I mean, one of the biggest the world championship to actually, yeah. you, know, you know, seriously. Yeah, it's sad. He's probably the best fighter in the UFC right now to not ever have a legitimate title shot. It's insane how good he is and to not allow him to be able to get out there and have a legitimate shot. Um, he's just wild, man. He does stuff like he's nuts, he, yeah. a fight. Like he's the wild man. He's so fun to watch. Yeah. When when you watch a fight with Tony Ferguson after the end of the fight when the two guys are standing face to face and one of them gets their hands put up, there's never any doubt in anyone's mind who won that fight, who lost that fight. The other guy looks like his face was like smashed with a mallet. Yeah, I wish him well, man. I, I really because I know he's older too, so I don't know how much longer he's going to want to do this no. or be able to at that level. Uh, so. Hopefully he'll get his day with uh, Khabib. Yeah. Just regardless, that's, that's one of the fight. That is like that's it's quickly become one of the mythical fights in MMA history that people just want to happen so bad, but it keeps getting. It's it's sad. <laughs> it's becoming the Mayweather Pacquiao of of MMA, and eventually we're going to get the fight. But by the time we see it, both guys are going to be so freaking past their prime that it's never, it's not going to be anywhere near the the event that it should have been. Yeah, they'll come out of retirement to right. fight each other. Right. They show those really funny memes with the two of them, like UFC, like you know, four hundred nine, where all like you know, old UFC two thousand. Um, what do you think about the? Uh, I'm really excited to see Don Dominic yeah. come back. You know, I coached him for a little bit. He's a good friend of mine, and. I'm very, very excited. I'm a Cejudo fan, but not when he's fighting Dominic. No. I'm going freaking cruise all the way on this one. I hope he can pull it off, but he's just a and his I tell you what, I've trained a lot of athletes. I really have, and I've been blessed to do it. And as far as mentally tough, Dom Cruz, if he's not at the top of that list, he's right there. Uh he is a mental warrior. He's just mentally hard. He's a he's a hard guy not to have major respect for. Yeah, he's, I, he's one of those I, guys. Go ahead, Kev. No, I, I was just gonna say I've mentioned this a few times. I think I've mentioned it here uh, or like on a, a different show, but I think one of my worst fears in life, more so than like quicksand or or a black hole opening up right next to me and I get sucked into space is Dominic Cruz being mean to me. Like just if Dominic Cruz woke up one day and decided I'm going to bully Kevin, I'm not going to touch him. I'm just going to be mean to him. It would ruin me because every time this guy decides to be mean to someone, I'm horrified. I feel so – it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not a huge Cody Garbrandt fan. I'm not a huge TJ Dillashaw fan. But the yeah. minute Dominic Cruz decided to start being mean to them, I felt so bad for them because he's, he's just so good at being mean. He's legit. Like, it. I remember, like, he's such a hard worker that you can't ever talk shit on him. 
Yeah. I remember uh, at Alliance, we would come in and he's already there. He already did 30 minutes with the footwork before anyone's ever stretched out. And then 30 minutes of warm ups for the spark, uh, like pro class. And then, you know, the hour, hour and a half of pro class. And then everybody's in the shower. Guess who's still out there jumping rope? Crew. Yeah. His motor. An animal work ethic. And if he loses, Come Monday, you're going to see Donald Cruz back in the gym, blocked up or not. He's in there. Yeah. And I remember he would be hurt. He would take the stationary bike over to the mat, pedal on the bike, and start coaching from the sidelines. Get up. Hustle. Like, he is just a, a small man. He is giant force. Yeah. And face uh, of intense on his broadcasting, you can see he sees different. And I've always been a guy that sucks a little different. It's just because of my background. Um, but him and I clicked so well. The big the big fight we had together was Mitsugaki, which was one of his most amazing performances. And uh, after that, I unfortunately went to the Black Zillion. I not say that. I love the Black Zillions. But I, I hated walking away from Alliance. It was one of my favorite teams ever. But it's just the money was very good out there in California. And Black Zillions for me to live my life a little And there was a great slew of athletes to work with. Missed all my Alliance fighter friends. They were, it was so great to be up during a real special time too. I've been, I've been really fucking lucky, man. I was, I, I can't complain about my coaching career. I've been lucky. I got to be around some of the best athletes in the prime and, uh, even though I was coaching, I learned a lot. I always learned a lot. What are you, what are some of your predictions in, in for for this fight coming up uh, with with Cejudo and uh, and, and Cruz? Yeah, I, I'm not into that business, man. You know, it, it's hard to see Dominic's. You know, it's not the first time he's come off a long layoff and gone in there and destroyed somebody. You know, and and Triple C, as they call him, is he's an impressive guy. Yeah. He's a he's a beast. He's young. He's in his prime. His wrestling is sick, you know. He's a he's a powerful man, but Dom, he's just a he just gets in your head and scrambles you. He 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 beats you with intangibles, and that's the and it and it carries over from the first press conference with that with his arrogance and the way he 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 talks. But it's I I say arrogance, but it's not really arrogance because he's so supremely confident in himself and his game plan and his ability to beat you that it's not arrogance because it's authentic and it's all a part of his game. And when you watch him fight, you watch his style, the smooth nature in which he moves in and out. He builds that strategy upon frustrating you, which in turn takes you off of your game and to play his game. And he's one of the better guys I've ever seen be able to do that in the octagon. Well, I think nobody has mastered strikes to takedowns better than him. No. GSP is outstanding. I've trained with GSP. He's outstanding. But Dom is so complicated. His system is so complicated, and I swear I see a lot of people try to play it. Dom Cruz definitely influenced Dillashaw. Dillashaw tries to do – a lot of guys try to do Dom Cruz, but nobody can be Dom Cruz. He's just that far ahead mentally on these things. Yeah. And with, like, there's a thing with Dom. It's not like arrogance at all. It's just Dom always is going to say to himself, I've worked harder than you, and I want it more. And that right there is is a – 
strong, strong sense of confidence for a fight because you don't outwork Dom Cruz. I mean, generally, I've never seen anyone outwork him. Uh, he, the one fight he never gets credit for is uh, he never gets credit for um, his fight with Mighty Mouse. He out-wrestled Mighty Mouse for five rounds. That guy's hips are a foot off the ground. You know how scrambly, and granted, he went up in weight class to fight uh, Dominic, but that guy is so scrambly. Look what he did to the rest of the division. He just decimates everybody. Yeah. Don Cruz outworked him. Yeah. Fast that yeah. kid is. And his endurance and his skill and everything. And Don Cruz handled him. Three yeah. suplexes in a row. That's what I'm saying by work ethic. He had to keep up with that kid and get under Little Mighty Mouse. He had to get under him. You know, like, that's crazy ass work. And nobody ever mentions it. They're like, oh, DJ went up and wait. I'm like, so? So did... <laughs> Looks to Hudo. I mean, it, granted, going up in weight's a big deal. I'm not trying to like belittle that, you know. I'm definitely not trying to belittle that. But man, I always thought that was a win, and that's because I respect Mighty Mouse a lot. I know what he's really capable of and how great he uh, is. But I always thought he should have got more credit for that because it just kind of like everybody was like, "Yeah, of course he won," you know. And when it's like, dude, you know, fucking tough that was, you know. That's just me. That's that's not Dom that talking. That's just me. No, man, I I agree with you one hundred percent. Like I I I've watched Dominic Cruz, and I think it's it's makes me sad that he's had so many issues with injury because I think he would have been one of the greatest. I, I put him in the same category as Cain Velasquez as guys that you you wish what could have been if they could have stayed healthy. It's just a sad sad thing that we couldn't see them be able to continue, you know, over an extended period of time because I really think we'd be talking about those two guys as you know greatest of all time type fighters in that regard. Well, here's the th- here's the thing, real quick, just to, about that what makes this matchup so insane is that yes he's had a lot of his uh potential shine stolen through injury and like time off but this matchup is so insane that if he is able to come back from injury and defeat uh, an olympic gold medalist two division champ that is almost the same amount of clout as like a, a longer, more full career in one fight. Like that, that is he has the potential to just launch himself, in my opinion, into goat contention if he comes back and beats Henry Cejudo. That's why I'm excited. And and, and it's a good chance it could happen. And I'm a Cejudo fan, but like I said. Not when you're going against Cruz. Cruz, Cruz got the game to beat anybody. He 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 is a master in the same regard of Floyd Mayweather in that he his game is built upon making you not be able to play your game, and then he frustrates you and breaks you down, and eventually capitalizes on that and puts rounds in the bank and rounds in the bank, and before you know it, you're down and you got nothing left. Well, like when I coach, I have this concept. When and I'm the only one. I'm not like trying to talk about. But when when people are sweaty and you have no handles of a gi and someone's a good athlete, you can spend a lot of energy trying to control someone and be zero effective. You know, it, it's a lot of effort. So me in MMA, I control people through sequences. Like I call it bottlenecking or sequences, whatever you want to do. Meaning. You know, I always I always say this. You put a wad of putty in my hand, and I try to keep it from coming out, and I squeeze that putty. It's going to come out of every little cranny I can't see. 
But if I create a little hole and squeeze that putty, I know exactly where the putty's coming out. So I'm giving it a funnel, but it makes it predictable. All right. So it's the same kind of concept when I'm doing sequences or bottlenecking. So when I'm I'm setting you up to create a scramble towards a direction that I can handle that, well, you're going to walk into a trap. Dom thinks like that, but seven moves ahead when it comes to MMA. So when he's doing a setup, he knows where you're going to go. And if you go here and he's doing this, if you go here, I'm doing that. So when you teach, like when I taught, taught Dominic, had this concept uh, about people backwards, meaning you start from the end of the sequence all the way back to the beginning. And guys like Dominic, I did that for him and it worked great because you do one, two, three, four, five on Dominic. You By the time you're trying to teach one, two, he doesn't care. Where's three and four? Like before you hear show me one and two, you got to show me where this whole picture is going. And the way to stop that, you start at the end and work your way back. And we went, we'd go from the end of a sequence and be, between, you know, my ground stuff and his top, you know, his, his wrestling and what he does, man, we, we, that Mitsugatsi finish, that was one sequence that we drilled. So that fight went exactly to plan because we knew where guys were going to be based on pressure. And Dom had, that's why at the end of the fight, they had Dom, they asked Dom, he goes, I don't even know what happened. And it's because it was prearranged in camp. And you can do that and look real smart, and sometimes you're wrong. But, you know, when you have some, an athlete like Don Cruz, you can do a lot of amazing things because he's the kind of guy that's going to make it work, you know. And that's always the case. And I, I'm not a – I'll be honest, like, sometimes great – when you're a coach, whether you're outstanding or not, when you get a great fighter, you're going to have opportunities to be very successful. So sometimes it's really, you don't prove a lot with great fighters. You know, if you want to prove something, take that shitty fighter. It doesn't have anything going for him and give him a decent career. That's more impressive. But and when you, when you click with a fighter with Dom Cruz or whatever, who's already outstanding and you add a little more to it and you can flow it together, you can do great, great things. That's why it was very hard for me to leave that camp. Uh, I, I really had a close connection to those athletes. But uh, Dom still, I still talked to him. He was actually out not too long ago training with me before the shutdown. And if there wasn't a shutdown, I would probably be going back to Alliance and and, and spending like a week or two at a time with him because uh, I would really love to do that again because he, he's just an awesome guy to train with. He's just an awesome guy. Sounds That's like it. One of my favorite fighters in the world. One of the type, one of the types of people that I feel like just make the room better. You know, you get a guy like that in there that has that kind of desire and has that kind of uh, of, of of self-driven and that kind of motivation, and and can talk the talk, but walk the walk. Like it's just you lead by example, and it's such a such a joy. Sometimes it can be a pain in the ass, I'm sure, because he never shuts the hell up. But 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 at the same time, it's a joy to have guys like that around to help you realize, wow, I want to do what he's doing. I want to be that guy. I want to get to that point. Well, the one thing, too, about Dom Cruz, and I don't want to say too much about him, you know, is that he's constantly honest. And I love that. You know, when a fighter tells you exactly how he's feeling and what he really thinks all the time, it's refreshing. Yeah. Because well, a lot of times guys want to act tough. They don't want to show weakness or whatever the case is. Sometimes you're showing something really quick and they just don't get it but they'll just kind of nod along because they're kind of embarrassed or they just want it to end. Dom will never do that. He'd be like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And like he'll challenge you because he's being honest. If he's freaked out about something, he'll tell you straight up, freaked out about this. 
or if I don't like it, I'll tell you right now. And that, that honesty as a coach, when you're a coach, if you can just take it and it allows you to save so much time because you don't have to figure this guy out. He's just telling you everything. And you'd be surprised how many fighters aren't like that. They just, they kind of try to keep that, you know, that, that, that shield up, that, that set of armor and, you got to get to know someone to be able to crack it sometimes. I got I got one more question for you, and we're going to wrap it up for this because it's getting a little bit late. Kev's got some stuff he's got to do, but I, I love you. I'm, in, I'm enjoying this. is a great conversation. I'm, I'm so having so much, so much good information. Um, I just want to ask your opinions on what you feel separate and, and differentiate between jujitsu and catch wrestling. What are some of the things you think make the two different? Well, first of all – Brazilian jiu-jitsu and catch wrestling is two different sports. Rules make the sport. So let's just throw that out right there. Because uh, catch wrestling, you can pin the win. So you really want to be on your back or play half guard when a guy, all he asks, I mean, he can pin you in your guard and right. win. Right. So it changes things a lot. Just like if you want to, you know, I want to do jiu-jitsu, but I don't want to spend any time on the ground except for a little bit and focus on takedowns. Yeah, it's sport called judo, you know, whatever, right. you know, the rules make the sport. So when people compare things, you know, you're not comparing dicks. It's right. not, it's, it's, they're very different things, you know, um, and the rules make the sport. When, when it comes to gi floor grappling, yeah, BJJ is the shit, you know, right. you're not a better system. That's what that system does, you know? So the, the way I look at it is, you know, the other problem with catch wrestling is, there's, there's, you're going to have a real tough time finding legit guys. It's usually it's guys that wrestled and they don't like BJJ because they don't understand the tactics. They just don't like it. So they say, I'm a catch wrestler. Well, the reality is okay. You know, like grappling to me just replaced catch wrestling in certain ways as far as grappling is a very general term. I like that. I like generalities. Um, because I think the one thing I'm seeing I really, really like, and I hope this continues, and a lot of Donahurst guys are getting involved with this, and I love it, is you see some of the integration now with high-level wrestling and high-level jiu-jitsu. You know, Gordon, Gordon Ryan took a chance. I mean, he's the king, right? He said, you know, I'm just going to wrestle Pat Downey. He got tech fall. He got embarrassed. But you know what? He went out there. He tried it. Good for fucking him. You know, I'm, I think that was that was great to see out of him because now he's going to take on that challenge. You never know. He might end up getting sick at wrestling. Right. So and a lot of people in jujitsu, they don't understand necessarily what good wrestling is. I'm not saying all of these people. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm speaking general terms, but I'll hear guys be like, oh, this guy's got good wrestling. I'm like, compared to who? To who? Right. Aiden Cox got good wrestling. What do you right. think Aiden Cox would do to him wrestling? And right. it things in perspective but now you get a lot of bjj guys are starting to follow wrestling they know who these wrestlers are and you hear some wrestling kind of paying attention to some jujitsu like you know bo nickel like yeah i'll go against gordon in a jujitsu mat a grappling match you know fuck it i'll just go for it you know i thought that was really cool bo you know bo's a funky grappler and he went against the best guy in the game that's killing everybody and yeah he went out there put on a show and yeah of course he got submitted but you know, what are you going to do? He at least threw himself in, in the mix. So Did, Didn't he also suplex Gordon, if I remember yeah, correctly? Suplexed, <laughs> you would imagine that he would. You know, I would, expect, I would expect him to launch Gordon. It's not what Gordon does. I mean, he's learning, and he's. I'm not saying he's a 
he's probably a decent wrestler for for jujitsu or grappling, but when it compares to like world team level guys, it's just a different world, man. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about someone that has specifically centered the entirety of their grappling career on wrestling. You're going to have a hard time picking that up yeah. and keeping up at that level. You have to be a real special person. I am a decent wrestler. I'm a very, I'm a, I consider myself a good wrestler. I am by no means an elite level wrestler, and you can tell immediately when you're going to get someone that is an elite wrestler, a D1 wrestler. You know, you know. Different. Oh, it's a different feeling. You just, I have no answers for it. I just pull guard and say the hell with it. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm trying to make you die for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Like I, you know, I was coaching Pat Cummings for a while, and before he retired, and he's he's a good sized man, and uh, he wrestled heavyweight in college. And I don't know, you guys probably don't remember. You might. Um, is they did something called Real Pro Wrestling. It was on like at one o'clock in the afternoon back in 2004 with Bruin Gardner hosting. Maybe, yeah. And wrestlers, Brian Keck, who unfortunately passed recently. He's a friend of mine. Um, he was he had a lot of health issues, that guy. But they brought in all these different champions and all these different guys. And guess who won the world championship and in brutal pro wrestling? Pat Cummings. He won the heavyweight. He beat a <laughs> gold medalist, I think, to win it. So Pat, Pat's wrestling is sick, and, you know, his legs, he's built so different from me. He gets really low when he wrestles, and so I'd be like, hell, let's wrestle, and I would try to learn wrestling low, and I, I swear I, my wrestling got, game got so much better just wrestling with him, you know? I got I to gotta interrupt for a second just because I'm real. You said real pro wrestling. Uh, the only wrestling coach I've ever had was a guy named Jeff Prescott. Uh, he's a he had a, a wrestling academy near my college and it was the only place I could really go to get actual grappling. I think he he moved it somewhere else now, but uh, he was like a Penn State guy and he he did a stint on real pro wrestling. Nice. Which was which is insane. I heard it. and I'm like, where have I heard that before? <laughs> Some of these guys, man, I'm such a fan of wrestling now. I really wished when I was younger, my high school didn't even have wrestling. You know, I came from a little school where nobody does anything. You know, you go work at the diner. You know, you're, you know, it's just one of those little towns. Um, so, like, I, I got the fuck out of there. Turned 18 <laughs> in the military, and I was like, peace. You know, uh, and then I haven't gone back very much. But, uh, but no, I, I love it, man. I, I really hope it continues to blend. And, um you know, I, I like I said, if, if catch wrestlers are out there talking shit about jujitsu, I really wish they wouldn't. I, I think we need to bring it all together. Uh, and, you know, comparing apples to oranges doesn't make you sound smart. You know, grappling is grappling, but the rules make the sport. You know, uh, I think you'd have to be pretty foolish not to recognize how awesome jujitsu is. I train jujitsu. I don't put the gi on, but I study jujitsu guys all the time. Uh, I, you're I, known for your hard. So, I mean, there you go. Yeah, I just want to do it all, man. I want To me, my goal in life is to be a master grappler. So, to me, what's a master grappler? Okay, I got to have the ground game dead to right. And that means feet all the way to the neck. I got to have it all down from feet to head, rather. And I got to know folk style wrestling. I got to know catch wrestling style. I got to know freestyle. I got to know Greco. And I got to know all the different stuff. I want to learn the Russian style freestyle. I want to learn the, the you need to learn the, the Iranian style. And I've trained both those styles just to try to pick it up. 
but there's so many styles of wrestling and I want to be a master grappler. I want to be able to teach all of it excellent. And that's my goal. That's my main goal. To me, if you're, you say you're a master grappler, but you're just a wrestler, like you're just really good on the ground. To me, you're not a master grappler, you're a master of the floor, which is awesome if, if that's all you want in life. But don't tell me you know you can go into a Greco room and grapple because wrestling is grappling. I don't care what you say. It is a form of grappling. So my goal ever forever has been just be a master grappler. That's why I never put the gi on because even though gi grappling is, is its own sport, I guess I could try to add that to the list. But I just don't have uh, an interest in the jacket wrestling so much and even though all my friends say that that do it like neil if you picked it up you would kill you would do so at it you would love it and i would be like great and, and maybe one day i'll i'll do that but for me it's like i'm having too much fun with all the other wrestling and learning i i have it in my mindset that that like i'm gonna be i'm one of the few master coaches in in grappling and my dream right now is maybe one day uh, one of the universities will grow a pair and open up grappling as a, uh, a collegiate sport. Because if that happens, then we're talking about the sport really doing great things. Because could you imagine Big Ten schools having grappling? Laborio is trying to get some stuff going. Ricardo Laborio is trying I'll sign that petition. Yeah. If that happens, I mean, that will legitimize. And I think the other problem – with jujitsu is it got to like uh, like jujitsu grappling um we got to make the sport entertaining for fans and yeah. having no time lens I, I i personally think should be rounds three rounds just like regular wrestling like i ran i ran my own tournament and my own tournament was rules were totally different and you know it, uh, the point system was simple you know if i passed your guard and you you escaped guard i mean if i passed the side mount you escaped it. I might have got two points for the pass, but you got a point for the escape. Instead of one end always getting the points, you know, and creating those big deficits. And I think that, like me personally, I would do something similar to uh, folk style. Like where I used to do is the second and third round were um, top or bottom, except it would be guard instead of referees. I had it all worked out, and it was great. Uh, three minute rounds, so it was nine minutes total, just like. Catch was the best out of three falls. It's kind of similar, but as soon as there's a submission, the match is over. And I would pay, I would get, give you, uh, instead of uh, advantage points, because I think the way people cheat in grappling tournaments are with advantage points where they'll stay close guard. The guy's in the guard trying to pass. He's trying to break, he's, he's doing everything to score. And the guy's just in guard, just trying to like sit up, wrap around the head. He's nowhere close to a guillotine. And then he gets an advantage point and he'll just rack up advantage point to and laying like a, like a bitch on the floor. And I, like I said, I love the bottom game, but don't act like a fucking bitch and try to get points and win. You know, I'd rather say, well, you know, if you're stuck on the bottom, get the hell up. If you don't, if you want to win an advantage, get the fuck up. You know, you can't sit there. You're screwing other people. Uh, and I just, I hated those tournaments, man. I've been burned by so many fucking advantages, dude. <laughs> I've lost so many goddamn, so many matches at the Worlds and the WGGF. I just want to, I just, I just get so frustrated and crazy about it. it makes me nuts, man. And, and that's the other thing. The Worlds is just ripping. Like, I'd be JJF or whatever you want to call it. I'm sorry. I'd be good, man. <laughs> I, I really think their their prices and they're just ripping some racket. And I, racket. I don't like it at all. I just don't think to me. 
and not a lot of people that do the grappling have money and and geese and stuff and and all that stuff's expensive they don't all have families that can come by and pay for it, coaches this and that and they're just trying to get rich off people so i understand that they're very well respected and i don't mean to insult anyone and who am i to judge them but me personally i don't like it i don't I do so much free stuff for people because I care about people and I want them to get better because I was that person. I was broke trying to get better and people helped me out. And I think that we need to do that for other people. You know, there's street kids right now that are going into these gyms that are based off grants and they're teaching them jujitsu, grappling, MMA, and they're getting paid off a grant to take care of these kids. And these kids are staying off the street. They're not out there fighting on the street. They're getting hard work and discipline, just like a regular collegiate sport. And that's great things. I want to encourage anyone to do that, you know, because there are a lot of people in the poor communities that would be excellent fighters, excellent competitors, because they literally scrapping every day for their life. There, I had a I had a fighter that I would be like, man, why are you losing weight so much? We're not even camp. He he didn't have money to eat. And I remember just going to the ATM with them and saying, all right, here's here's 500 bucks, man. Make it last. You know, you don't got to pay me back. You just need to fucking eat. You know, like I you try to help these people because some of those people are the best students and you're giving Most so dedicated much lives. Yeah. That, that to me is more rewarding than trying to get teach rich people lessons so I could make some cash. You know, I mean, that's fine, too, but. I don't still got to pay the bills every once in a while. You got to have that $500 to give the kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I just, I think we got to help out everybody. And, well, and fucking- the, the, the jujitsu community is strong, man. It's really, yeah. it's a big variance of people. And man, God forbid, if they all pulled together and started doing some good shit, you know, man, they could do some damage. They could help a lot of people. They could make the collegiate sport. They could get everybody paid. Imagine that going to college scholarship on jujitsu. On jujitsu, yeah. I think you know, it's coming. I see it. I see it in the future. It's fucking possible. We can do it, but it's not if, if everybody's bickering or you know. You got to come together. Yeah, we got to make it happen. Well, dude, man, Neil, you're fucking awesome, dude. Like, literally, this is probably, I'm not lying to you, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, man. You are, I mean, such an amazing wealth of knowledge and, like, just just legitimately just an awesome freaking dude, man. Like, it was really cool to talk to you. I didn't even give you a hand job me saying that. Christ. <laughs> well, fuck, man. Shit, maybe, 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 we, maybe we can meet up. Call me whenever you want. Hit me up, dog. <laughs> I promise. Not yeah, you. Right. Hey Neil, um, listen. Uh, we we often have a a lot of like younger people on the show, so it's always nice when Kevin can talk to someone his own age. You know, it, it makes wow, him feel like- <laughs> that's hard, bro. Fuck uh, this kid. <laughs> I'm just saying that because one day, one day, both are gonna kick my ass. All right, I gotta get my licks in now. <laughs> what am I? <laughs> well, well, dude, Neil- I, I want to end by just saying one thing. Like, I, I, you, you, I can't tell you. Like people that know me will understand like how this is going to make me absolutely impossible. Earlier in the week when I said I was going to have you on the podcast, I hit you up. You hit me up and you said, man, I watched a couple of your matches and you're a pretty good grappler. I was very impressed. I can't tell you how that's going to fuel my ego over the course of the next uh, six months of my life. And I appreciate that for, for giving me that nod. I meant, so. I meant that I watched you and I was like, man, this kid's got it. Thank you. This bro. kid's I, got I, it. I appreciate that. <laughs> Just calling me a kid makes it all worthwhile. Hell yeah. yeah.
Well, Neil, thank you so much for coming. Before we go, is there anything you'd want to plug? Uh, any anything we should check out? I know you got the you're on BJJ Fanatics, right? Yeah, actually, my two recent DVDs are the K Control DVD and the uh, and the Cradle DVD called the Cradle of Filth, and uh, they've been getting great reviews. I like feedback. A lot of people write me on my Instagram. I don't check Facebook very much of all the spam, but. You know, people write me with technique questions. I do my best. You know, people send me videos to evaluate. I do that, too. I'm going to be doing my uh, website. My website's old as hell. Don't even promote it yet. But uh, I'm getting it redone. And what I plan to do is online private training through that website. And I also want to build game plans for people. A lot of people are lost. You know, jiu-jitsu game is the grappling game is so thick and so many variants. Sometimes it, it can look like it's too much to handle. But uh, I'll just do what my coaches did for me. And you yeah, look at your body type. You tell me what you like to do, how many times you're training. I watch you grapple. And then I create a game plan for you where I'll be like, all right, you got long legs. We need to do this. You know, use your natural attributes, you know, and I, I can pick that out being coaching for, you know, 20 years or whatever. I, I'm pretty good at that. And that's that's why I became a triangle player. It was not my choice. It was my oh, coach. God. If I see you do anything. Uh, triangles from the bottom this year i will kick you fucking out of my gym uh, yeah i was like all right i better learn this shit so like it it helped me immensely so sometimes guidance is is really what these people want it's not just technique they want guidance and i'm i'm happy to help so once that website is all up and running people you know uh overseas and stuff that write me i'm, I'm looking forward to working with everyone that's interested all right. Well, uh, we'll be sure to to link that uh, once it's all up and running. But uh, Neil, truly, this has been a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for dropping by. Just a, a ton of great stuff. Also, I'm I'm glad that we got to talk about Dominic Cruz. He's one of my favorite fighters, you know. And I'm, I'm glad to know he's he, he's uh as, as from someone who knows him, it's glad it's good to know he's a he's a real legit guy on and off the screen. But uh, I think we're going to call it. That's another uh, another real barn burner of an episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Thank you all for joining us. I've been your host, uh, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Kevin Gallagher. Neil, once again, thank you for coming on, man. All right. Thank you, guys. I had a blast. You guys are fun. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next time. <laughs>